When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I grew up, I'm the oldest of four, and my my uncle, my mom's brother, I had two young uncles when I was born. Probably they were in their teens. I was born in 79. So my uncle Mike was a massive Bruce fan. Mm-hmm. And my uncles were like my big brothers, my heroes, my idols. And so I loved Bruce because... You love what your heroes love. And he would go see him live. And my uncle has like a guitar pick of his. I think someone in the crowd at one of the shows he went to pulled Bruce's boot off or something like that. (laughs) I remember a story like that. He had some other memorabilia. I feel like a bandana, maybe. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, he loved Bruce. And we would, I, I, I have memories of certain musicians and certain songs that I have a very like visual and auditory memory when it comes to like my childhood. And I think about being like a bat boy on my, for my uncle's softball team and hanging out in the parking lot afterwards with all the guys on the team and all their girlfriends and my mom and the whole, and like just Bruce playing and Bob Seger playing and Van Halen playing and stuff like that. going to have the courage to try to say your last name. Thankfully, we have edits. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though he is coming up. We are on uh, about podcasting. We are talking about comedy specials, and we are talking about do I have the courage to try to say Mike's last name correctly. you got to call me out if I don't say it correctly, Mike. It's Mike Finoya. Almost. Almost. 98%. All I'll right. give you an A minus, but it, it, yeah, great effort. It's Finoya. Finoya, okay. No one can say it. And I travel all over the country doing stand-up. And it's funny when I go to certain places in the country when a host is like bringing me up or anything, some parts of our nation, their mouth just can't say Fenoya. I don't know what it is, but it goes all different and people get nervous with the vowels and I completely understand that I'm very used to it, but thank you for trying. I appreciate that. Um, It's hard to say. Before we hit record, I said I may cop out and just say Mike, and Mike gave me permission you to do, do that. But I was want. like, "Try, yeah." Thank you, you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. What is what? What's the background of the last uh, last name? Is Italian? It, it is it's Italian. Italian. 
but I believe it's a shortened version of a longer last name that it once okay. was. I, I, from what I, I don't know, I remember some, my family doesn't have a ton of that kind of lineage knowledge stuff, at least that I know of. I'm pretty just Americanized, but yeah, we have family in Italy and that, that name's from Italy. And I also have some Norwegian, okay, which is super cool. My great grandmother who I got to, I'm lucky. I have on one side of my family, I have a uh, great grandparents that lived to a hundred. So I was able to have them around for a while and got to hear about Norway back in the old days and stuff. So that was pretty cool. But uh, that's not the last name. Fenoya is uh, Italian. Okay. So tell us about yourself. What's your elevator pitch? <laughs> I'm just by the way, sim- you can curse. You, I'm just okay. a simple song and dance man. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm a producer for the TV show Impractical Jokers. And I co-host a podcast with Oteil Burbridge, the bass player from the Allman Brothers and Dead and & Company, called Comes a Time. We are brethren in the Pantheon family of podcasts. And yeah, and that's, I guess, my elevator pitch. I don't know. I don't. That's a pretty good pitch. Okay. And what's yours? Jesse Jackson, a podcaster from Dallas, Texas, a very lonely blueberry in a very strawberry state. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Understood. Welcome to the, welcome to the blue, the blueberry patch. Yes, I guess. it was funny. I had a guest on the other day. I've uh, never heard that before. I like that. Yeah, that was from Florida. And he was singing Governor Satanta- Santos's praises. And I was like, oh, shit, I can very careful what I said to you. He actually, though, was very unhappy with him that he did not say anything officially about Jimmy Buffett dying. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, yeah. He was like, he says, I get it. He's a Democrat. He's done all this, but come on, you're Florida. You're the governor of Florida. Get yeah. off your butt and say something about an icon. Yeah, that's interesting. It's I I'd say that politics has is soccer where I never cared. Uh, like people talk soccer and I'm I check out. I'm just not interested. And it's exactly the same with politics. And I've never cared. And I know that it's like that once the World Cup comes around, everybody gets soccer fever. And it was always like that with politics. And now it's just everywhere and it's annoying and I can't stand politics. And I don't I think they're all full of crap. I'm more of that. Why do we only have two choices kind of guys? But uh, yeah, so yeah, you won't so- have to worry about that with me. All right. So now that I'm ready to get it all about the Democrat and Republicans difference in their political agendas. No, sure. No. Uh, no. Can I say, honestly, I wonder yeah. about this. Bruce fans. I imagine there are probably quite a few Bruce fans that were like your blue collar, hardworking American dudes with yeah. their girls that they their sweetheart, their Marys and their, and then now they're probably on the opposite side of the uh, aisle than Bruce. So what's interesting about that, Mike and listeners, I promise we're going to get to comedy and music in a minute. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah um, this is just a question. I don't know. No, there is a, f- a fair amount of fans that do the shut up and sing. Right. You should keep your ass out of politics, though. He's always been 
Born in the USA is a political song, despite them playing it outside of President Trump's hospital. <laughs> and we're all going, do they know what this song's about? Yeah, no, uh, most of the time, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, that's really funny. I was not as big on politics till recently and i think it's the unfairness of it is what bothered me yeah. the hypocrisy yep. of things that's i think that's what bothers me the most it, the idea of we can't laws oh, and i then we'll get off that there is no way a law can stop people from having guns so therefore we should not have guns okay we absolutely have to have laws to stop abortion because that's the only way we can stop abortion. But the same people are saying that. And it's, wait, what, do you not even see? And they just look at you like, what are you saying, yeah. Jesse? Anyway. I'll on. tell you. Oh, uh, and, well, and then I'll, no, I'll, and I'll just, I'll add to this and I agree yeah. with you. What I think bothers me the most about it all is the, we're going to take a recess for a couple weeks. We're going to take a week off yeah. while the country is kind of a good yeah. portion of the countries are. I can't work because of lockdown. Yeah. I can't pay my bills. I don't know how to whatever. So we need to figure out this stimulus package or yeah, we're going to go on vacation for about a week and then we'll figure it out when we get back. And it's what yeah. don't we pay your, t don't we pay your salary? What other job can you do that? Literally, if I'm working at an auto shop mm -hmm. and a guy, three of the four tires are on the car and I'm like, yeah, yeah you know what? I'm it's, it's five o'clock. I'm like, I got to go. I'll, yeah. I'll be. No, you get fired. To put it even more terms, you got a cold. And by the way, I understand I just something flashed in my mind and I'll tell you in a minute. Right. But you get a cold, you push it up and you go and do your set. Yeah, yeah. And so I just listened to a podcast about the uh, who really killed Harry Houdini. It's a podcast that takes tragedies and they debate. And oh, they wow. talk about yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And Mike Donnelly, Matt Donnelly, who does the co-host of Penn Sunday School podcast, was a guest and they talked about it. And they said that at one that Houdini had a hundred and three fever, a broken ankle, and he was going to go on stage that night and he was laying down and that's when the guy showed wet mythem and said i understand you you can take a hit to your stomach and houdini's yeah and then the guy starts hitting him without any notice and they decided that yes the show has to go on which probably came from some producer that had nothing to do with it but if you have a 103 fever and a broken ankle and appendicitis it might be okay not to go on stage. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like when Homer Simpson was touring with the Hullabalooza tour. I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan, but I am. Uh, and then he was about to take that bolt, the cannonball to the stomach and jumped out of the way at the last minute in front of his home crowd of Springfield. Yeah. And I, I, I was never prouder of Homer that day. I 
I had Mike Sully on a few years ago, who was a showrunner for a while in The Simpsons. Yeah. Great interview. But I say all the time at my workplace, my favorite Simpson quote, we, quote, we tried nothing and we're all out of options. <laughs> that's right. And I, I often it. feel that is what going back circle, that's what our politicians say. I well, bet. we've tried nothing and we're all out of options, right? Yeah. Thank God we have music and comedy to get our minds oh, off yes. things, right? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's go back. You, where did you grow up? In a big, I take it a big Italian family. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, okay. I grew up in in right around New Haven, Connecticut, right around mm-hmm. Yale, right in the shadows of Yale University. And yeah, I grew up. I'm the oldest of four, and my my uncle, my mom's brother. I had two young uncles when I was born. Probably they were in their teens. I was born in '79. So my uncle Mike was a massive Bruce fan mm-hmm. and my uncles were like my big brothers, my heroes, my idols. And so I loved Bruce because you love what your heroes love. And he would go see him live. And my uncle has like a guitar pick of his, I think someone in the crowd at one of the shows he went to pulled Bruce's boot off. Or something like that. I remember a story like that. He had some other memorabilia. I feel like a bandana, maybe. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, he loved Bruce. And we would, I I, I have memories of certain musicians and certain songs that I have a very like visual and auditory 
memory when it comes to like my childhood. And I think okay. about being like a bat boy on my for my uncle's softball team and hanging out in the parking lot afterwards with all the guys on the team and all their girlfriends and my mom and the whole and like just Bruce playing and Bob Seeger playing and Van Halen playing and stuff like that. And that seems to be like the footprint of like home like bruce always felt like home a little bit and it felt like it, it's interesting when you're raised on certain music how it's just it, it it's etched into your psyche <clears throat> so bruce was definitely one of those for me 100 percent. mike often when i have someone similar to yourself <clears throat> that was raised either in jersey philly you know that east coast yeah, it's, it's asking when did when did you first discover Bruce, and what about it spoke to you? It's like when did you know your parents were using Tide washing soap? It just I know it it's was just always the there. fabric, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, go ahead. I just always felt like he was like when someone you think of is cool, right? Yeah, and they what and they they like someone that makes them super cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Bruce was like, oh shit, if Uncle Mike likes it, then yeah. I love it. When he and I had the oh, I even have some vinyl down here. I would I'd have to shuffle some crap around, but like the live 70, what is 75 to 85 box yeah, set? Sure. I have that on vinyl down there. And uh, yeah, it was always something that I liked. And I'm a massive Bob Dylan fan. Yeah. Big time. I went the route of like when I started to pick my own music and go through that. It was more the Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan, Fish live stuff that I could just go lose myself in and go just my friends, my scene, my community, stuff like that. But I'm a like a disciple of music. Like I love all quality music. So if it's Bowie, Bob Marley, Fela Kuti, you name it, like it doesn't matter what genre, like I'm going to listen to it. And what I like to do is I like to find out what the bands i like who are their favorites and then who are their favorites don't go down those wormholes that's interesting to me bruce led to dylan and then dylan's trying to figure out an ocean so i just got lost in there for quite a while and i like the early bruce because it reminds me of early dylan and uh, like a lot of lyrics a lot of poetry type writing in the lyrics and the way that it was more important to get the words in than to make them. Tom Petty writes a pop song, and I don't think Bruce cared much about that. And that was something I really liked about him. It was more getting the the message across. So, so there is a great documentary, at least for me, on the making of Letter to You, which is his last studio album with the E Street Band. It's on Apple TV. Okay. And it's black and white, and it shows the guys all coming to Bruce's studio and then working on it. But there is a, he's telling a story that with some of these, in some of these early songs and he does three songs that he had written way back when he was first signed. And he said that, I think it was John Hammond, but someone with Columbia said, yeah, I got a message that said they heard your music. And if you aren't careful, you're going to run out of words in the dictionary. 
<laughs> and Bruce said, wow. And it was Bob Dylan sent him that message. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So you mentioned your uncles. Were your parents not big music people? No, they were. Not my mom. My my dad was like the who, Zeppelin. He was like a little bit older than my uncles. And so he was more, yeah, the who, Bowie, Zeppelin, Jethro Tull. Trying to think what else that, that more that more heavy, harder rock stuff. And then my mom just liked whatever was on. I don't think really. Okay. I don't remember much of that, but then my other uncle, big Steely Dan fan who I love Steely Dan. Like I'm a massive, I really love Steely Dan, but yeah, I'd say that's probably music was big. Music was always my favorite thing. One of the things I've seen Mike, in doing this for over a thousand episodes is themes. Yeah. One is similar to what you've talked about in the East Coast at a certain age, you're a second generation Springsteen fan. The other is siblings. And in your case, it's a little bit different, but if you're the oldest, you do a job of influencing your younger siblings or if you're younger, your older siblings gave you that influence. And so I am I get also the thing, because I do hear sometimes I had a really, my favorite aunt loved Bruce. Yeah. Or my, my favorite uncles. And right, you, they were cool and they liked Bruce. Therefore, to be cool, you like need to like Bruce, right? Yeah. But it's funny that you say that. And I appreciate that because I had the experience of both where – my folks had me at a very young age, so I was an only child for about eight years or so. So my I had that kind of little brother. I was like the little brother for the first half of my childhood, I'd say. And then my folks had three more kids, all that are close in age, but way younger than me, like eight, 10 and 12 years younger than me. So I got the chance to be the little brother for a little while. and But then I was the older brother where I was turning my siblings on to music and bringing my brother to concerts and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're right. And it's big because even in friend groups and stuff, it's like my buddies would listen to stuff that their older brothers got them into. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had more to talk about with the older brothers about music than. Yeah. My buddies. I, I think music was always something. It's like music, comedy, and to a certain degree, sports, definitely sports growing up that were just like things to, to connect with older people about. I had a bit in my in my special and in, in an old joke I used to do about how I would tell a ther- my therapist, oh, I'm always trying to impress older people. And he's like, yeah, but we're out of time for today. And it's just like this thing of I'm just going back out there and Nothing's been accomplished, but I'm just like, yeah, why am I always trying to connect with older people? And I think that it's always because I'm interested in influence. I'm interested in what makes you, what makes you, what music are you listening to? What's it song? I've always had this fantasy as a kid too, of if you could walk down the street and see a bubble of what song is playing in that person's head, maybe we'd have a better understanding of each other. You know what I'm saying? If I'm yeah. walking down the street and I see somebody's yeah. got like whatever, some pop song, yeah. some easy, easy country or whatever that I don't like, I'm probably not going to gravitate towards that person, you know? Or if someone's got, I, I know it's judging, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I think music's an easy way to 
you know, sometimes judge. But so I'll flip the switch just for a moment. Kevin Pollack said that many comedians have the look at me disease. Hmm. And then once you have the look at me disease, then you realize you're shy. You don't want that. So have you always had that look at me persona? I think that he nailed it. I used to be very extroverted. Still am with people I'm comfortable with. But okay. now that I do, uh, now that I'm a friend of mine, very funny comedian, Big Jay Okerson, he had said to me, you're always trying to be as funny as you were the day before you started doing stand up. Like we're our funniest bef- the day before we start having to be funny for a job. Like it's a different thing. And I think that once you start to go on the road and once you start to travel and you, whatever, I like my, my quiet time now. Where before I had a fear of quiet, when I'm not on stage, I like to just, again, music's my thing, like where I'll just sit in my hotel or go for a walk, always have earbuds in and I'm always listening to something different. And I don't think I ever had that look at me thing. I think it was always, I was just a goof. Like I I loved to make people laugh. I love to, I hate seriousness. When school and shit I didn't care about. So I would, yeah, I would just goof off. And also I had horrible learning problems. So like I just, it was a defense thing. And I f- fell into standup and uh, I had a bunch of other jobs. And I, it was the first thing I did where I wanted all the work. You have some jobs and it's, I don't want to go to work today. But standup's like, I, I want all the work. Give me all of it. And I'll be happy. So it's one of those, if I can remember, and he's talked a lot about one of the things that Kevin is talking, Kevin Pollock is talking about is he's doing a new podcast about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going through every episode and he's having guests and he's talking about that, about, the character's journey of you you can't just be funny without working at it and he's and he talks about that you reach the point where you just said yes that was yeah oh eight people yes oh 100 people yes just whatever because i'm just gonna get out there and do it yeah that's true the other thing i'd love to hear you talk about mike because i find this fascinating is i I'm often told I'm funny and I will make people laugh on a podcast. And I'm, I especially am really good at a work situation. If I'm making a presentation, I make people laugh or I break up the right tension in a meeting, but I'm not supposed to be funny. Or even now people think I'm going to be funny, but it's a work situation. Mm. That's a totally different environment than someone, okay, I'm going to pay. 25 bucks to get in the door. I've got a two drink minimum. I had to pay for parking. Okay, MF, I expect you to be funny, (laughs) right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's an entirely different thing. And I think that's what a lot of people maybe who want to try it, maybe think, look, everybody starts. I can't say everybody, but some people start being the, 
yeah, the funny guy in their friend group, the funny guy at work, the funny guy at, at the barbecue or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they go ah, and they go to a comic and they go, I could do this. And then they realize that there's writing and there is crafting, there's wordplay, there's timing, there's intonation, there's pauses, there's juxtaposition and reaction and all the all these different things and that you don't need at a barbecue (laughs) you don't need at work because it's like you can do it and it's hard to tell the same story or the same joke hundreds of times but it works and it's somehow alchemy or whatever the universe you're able to pluck this thing that Everybody goes, oh, shit, that's hilarious. And it's like universal, doesn't matter what state you're in, doesn't matter what. It takes a lot of work. And I think anybody who thinks they can do it should try. Sure. I really do. But I, it's definitely not for everyone. I just, I feel this. It's funny when someone goes to a show. It's, there's, a you know, every cup once every couple shows, you get someone that's like, giving you jokes in the lobby and they're like, you should use this. And I'm like, why don't you sign up for an open mic? It sounds like you're interested. See what happens. No, I can never. And then their wife or whoever's, Oh, he's hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, try it. Cause you really never know. Yeah. So I, I was listening to an interview with Jason Isbell, who's one of my new musical obsessions. And it's great. He was talking about that that with YouTube and TikTok and all the social social media that you can put out a song fairly or easy. Yeah. And he says, and it isn't work. And he says, it needs to be work. He said, when I was with a record company, if I came with five or six songs, they'd go, okay, good. We'll just fill in the rest of the album. And now then that I am the record company, I wait till I have the 10 or 12 songs I want before I put out an album. And he he said, what hurts is if you're, and I thought this was really wise, if you're 14 or 15 and you put out a song and it's good, that's almost counterproductive. Yeah. Because then you're going to think it's that easy. Yeah. That's a great point. I I thought that was fascinating, right? No, it's got to be bad. Yeah. And and you've got to learn that that the universal – and the other point, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is what I do for my day gig is I I run call centers. I've been running a call center since 1989, and I always think about people – it's so boring, Jesse. It's the same thing over and over again. People call in with problems and we fix them. And I, I yeah. joke, yes. No one ever calls this to say, hey, the software's working great. Thank you. <laughs> know, hey, right. hey, you know what? Yeah. I went to run this report. It came out perfect. Thank you. Or that's funny. Like, see, I should be saying no. Exactly. But I know that's not funny in a stand-up. So he and my current job is roadside assistance, and no one picks up the phone and go, "Oh, by the way, I started my car. I don't need you guys right now." Yeah, and I always think of 
and and I had this. My son was little. We went to Ringling Brother Barnabas Circus, and so I'm watching all the clowns and the guy with the confetti, and then the water, and I'm like. They've probably done that 5,000 times. And each time they have to act surprised that it was water. Yeah. They have to each time the confetti, they have to sell it every time. Yeah. And it's not easy. No. And you can't. There was a documentary that Randy Meisner was saying, I don't want to sing, take it to the limit. It's too hard. And Glenn Fry's, you don't get to make that choice. These people paid a lot of money for you to hear take it to the limit. So yeah. get your house on right? and do it. Yeah. I, and I I think there might be jokes you go, I'm really not feeling this story today. Oh God, yeah. A hundred percent. But also I think <clears throat> and again, to first to go back to that, because these are these both parallel each other. It's like a good pairing of thoughts there the Jason Isbell thing. And then this last one that you mentioned a lot of folks now crowd work is like a huge trend now on social media. And it's like a double-edged butter knife because people like to post crowd work. I do it too, because you don't want to burn your material, right? Like you come up with material, you want to save it for a special. But you got to put up content nowadays. That's just the name of the game. That's part of it. So you put up content. You put up, hey, where are you from? Oh, my God. Holy cow. You make a joke about where they're from and follow me on this and see my dates and blah, blah, blah. Now, some people are making like massive careers from their clicks on TikTok and on you can't fault them. It's. We're all pissing in the ocean. You know what I mean? And it's if someone likes your stream, what are you going to do? You're going to say no. Like you're going to you take it when you can. This thing is living your dream is not easy. But I completely understand that point of it stunts growth because you have to suck to know what's good. And then you have to get good to know what sucks. And like you write your first joke. And you know what else is hilarious is early on comedy. People go, oh, I could do an hour. I could do 45 minutes. I, no, you can't. If the What if the crowd absolutely sucks? You may think you have 45 minutes of material. Do you have 45 minutes if no one laughs? Can you speak for 45 minutes? No. So there's a lot of those like early growing pain things you have to go through and you got to take your licks. And also you have to mature as a person. You have to do hell gigs. You have to do drive hours to break even because you're scared to say no. And then get to a point where you can say no and be okay with it. That's super important. And I, right now I have a special that I just self-produced and it's I'm very happy with it. But it's also like this postpartum depression thing where it's now I can't go out and do that material anymore because... Once you fall into that lane, of course, listen, I could do old jokes because, and this ties to the other point, is I feel you paid money to come see me. I owe you a professional show. Like, I, I you, you came to laugh. I'm going to make you laugh. I know how to do that by now. But I also have to work on my old, my new stuff, and I have to keep growing. 
and you need to kind of balance that scale while on stage. If you're interested in stand-up, I can't recommend any more Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up. Phenomenal read. And he nails it in the foreword, right even before the first chapter. He's the stand-up is the ego's last stand. Because basically you're up there and you are thinking about the last thing you said while you're saying this thing and you're thinking of the next thing all at once. And it's the lights are on you and you're hot or your mouth's dry or is my fly down? Do I have a bug hanging out of my nose? What's the, you know what I mean? Like all this different shit, you don't have time for ego. And I think that's what I'm addicted to with comedy is that it's just this, it's present moment. It's like tightrope walking or whatever. Like when you're up there, you're, it's, you're dropping into the half pipe or whatever. You're playing that solo. And I think there's a thing with just, you got to deliver a professional show. And sometimes it's gut wrenching to tell that same joke five times in a weekend or it's 10 shows. You know, you just have this big closing bit that kills and you get hooked to it. And then you have that fear shit. Can I write another one like this? And that's when you got to have the faith in you in yourself and in the moment that like the sun's going to come up tomorrow if I bomb tonight. Yeah. And then you're able to go, Hey, I'm uh just put out this album. I just put out this special. I'm going to be working out some new shit tonight. Like I do that now. I like pop the balloon right off the bat where I go, listen, I promise 50% of this is going to be funny because for every new joke, I'll do an old one and I'm going to yeah. blend it. So you can't tell. And I say this to them and that right away eases the tension. So it's, uh, it's different than anything. I did sales for a long time and that takes a certain skill. I, I work doing landscaping and that takes a certain skill. The thing I like about standup is just this. It's like a, it's like a card game with the crowd every night. And it's like, all right, what hand am I going to get dealt? And who sat at this table right before me? Sometimes intangible or things out of our control, the universe just throws shit at you. Is there a fire truck outside the club? Is somebody hammered and decides it's their night when all these things and you just had, how do you deal with it? It's hard, but it's fun. The, so a couple of thoughts in this same interview, they were talking about, Jason's new album, Weather Vane, and how much they enjoyed the album. And he said he appreciated it. He said, though, he says, and it seems the audience seems to like it. They're not going to the bathroom with the new songs. And he says, and that's to be expected. When I go hear a band I like, when they go, oh, and here's one from the new album, I go, okay, this is when I go pee. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he says, I get that. So I do think by setting that expectation with the audience, so I'm a mark. So what I would hear, oh, man, Mike's going to give us a sneak preview with new stuff. Yeah, oh, man. this is cool. Man, man I feel lucky. Yeah. And, and then I'm the guy that would like, oh, yeah. A lot of that was really good. But I'm not sure about this. I would be the one giving you critique at the Q&A, right? <laughs> it's so go... funny you say that. Oh, man. <laughs> I was in Indiana a couple weeks ago doing shows, and I was working out a bunch of new stuff. 
and most of it went fairly well. Yeah. And then I tried to do a joke about knighting, like knight knighthood, like getting yeah. knighted and how my thought and, and to me, it's still funny. And this is the fun of comedy. These are right. the little these thoughts are like my buddies that I hang out with all day when I work on them and think about them. But I think it's an interesting th- thought to think about the difference between being knighted in the 1400s, the King Arthur Knights of the Round Table stuff, only the best jouster or only the best like warrior or were knighted and they wore like knighted knighting gear and big the swords and now you're knighted and you go have lunch with Elton John and it's just this kind of like to me it's just I don't know if I want that army fighting for me you know what I mean it's just so funny to think about and I tried it and I was so happy with like my delivery of it and it just fell totally flat and no one got it but I was able to and now I think only from bombing catastrophically and waking up the next day <laughs> and the sun comes up and the life goes yeah. on. Do you enjoy the bombs? You got to embrace the bombs and go, ah, damn. Like I thought that was going to go a lot better and laugh at it in the moment. And so- this late and this lady came up outside the club, like you were saying, and she's listen, I loved all your stuff, except that nighting joke sucks. It's got to go. And I'm like, thank you, ma'am. I go, what's I, and I'm like, What's your special's name? Can I watch one? So, yeah, because I'm sitting here going, see, don't you get it? See, used to be you got knighted because you were going to be a warrior. And now then knighting means you've done something significant. Do you not see? And you're like, if you have to explain the joke, it is going to work, Jesse, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I just think it's funny that it's, yeah, like yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart is yeah. a little bit different than like Sir Lancelot. Just different, just different. And But to me, that's a thought that's going to stay with me until I figure it out. Right. And what's fun about it is, okay, the thought is here. Do I build up here or do I build down here? Is it the premise that needs to get massaged a little bit more? Or is it the punchline that needs to get massaged more? Or is it all of the above? Or can I come at it from another angle? Or So there's a lot of fun ways to like think about a joke. And I like this part of the process because I'm getting into stuff more now. Chris Rock always says like he, he, every year he goes, who am I this year? And that's the way he approaches the material. So it doesn't matter what you did before. Who are you this year? Because the only constant is change, right? If I'm like trying to do jokes that younger me would have written, it's clearly going to come across as bullshit because I'm 43, 44 in a couple weeks. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not going to try to be cool. I'm not going to try like just be me because there's people out there that want to hear the real stuff. And that's what I'm really enjoying doing. So it's been a fun experience now that the album's done and the special's done. It's like starting from scratch. Yeah, because I like the idea. Um, and let's go back to music. Mm. I will speak for me. I will not put words in your mouth. But Tunnel of Love means something different to me after over 30 years of marriage than it did when it first came out in 86 and I had been married two years. Totally. Yeah. I, Is that your favorite album? It's yeah, it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. And yeah. the the idea of all that heaven will allow 
has a song about some men want to die young, die gloriously. Now get it straight now, mister, that ain't me. Yeah. 2017, I was diagnosed with colon cancer, and I'm fine now. I always like to throw that Thank out God, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. thanks. But that some men want to die young, not me. I want all the time that heaven will allow. I hear that song now, and I think of that getting chemo. And yeah. I guess music changes, and I guess sometimes jokes can change the same way, right? A joke oh God, this yeah. way now will work differently. Yeah. Oh, look, I'll give you an example of, I think, probably the first book I ever chose to read cover to cover was On the Road by Kerouac. And when I read it, I was 17. I just graduated high school and I wanted to shake the dust of my one horse town and see the world. And, right. And now I read it and and I have. I've read it multiple times. Some in, Within a year, I've read it. twice or three times i've read it and thought who am i reading it now who am i i'm looking at it from a different now i look at it and i have almost a sad nostalgia when i read it because it's geez i was a kid when i read this book for the first time now i wouldn't go out on the road (laughs) like it's just and the world changes and the and that's why i think these and jokes of course yeah look at there's so much shit that ages horribly or that yeah. ages well, or it's amazing how you take a guy like Carlin yeah, and how it's consistently relevant. <laughs> it's like Frank Zappa stuff. It's, it's just brilliant beyond its time. Yeah. And, and that shit's just undeniable. But uh, no, I think about that too. Songs, 1 million percent like jokes. That's a really great thought. I think about that quite a bit. You know what song I love? And I think, let me ask you this. Okay. Is is Brilliant Disguise a lot of people's favorite song? Or is that a rare favorite? I think there's few people. It's not up Thunder Road, Racing the Street. I love Brilliant Disguise. Yeah, I do too. I think that's such a, like a honest... I'm all about the vulnerability. You know what I mean? And that's basically, a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I never read anything about this, but is that a song basically about a failing marriage? Yes. So if you've never read Bruce's docu- autobiography, I, uh, I recommend it. If you are someone who likes to read, he does talk about his marriage and with to Julianne Phillips and yeah. shares that he takes the total blame on the marriage and is very he talks about that they're at dinner and he looks across the table and here is this stunningly beautiful woman that loves him and he's but once she knows the real me she won't brilliant disguise there's no way yeah this is gonna last and when to no fault of his own and yeah when he talks about that right when you see me so yeah it yeah, I think it's a brilliant song. I, Tunnel of Love is one of my favorite albums. I just yeah, think, it's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. and I always say you have to have your heart broken a few times before you get Brilliant Disguise, and then I'll have a 19-year-old guy on this saying, it's my favorite album. I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do I know, right? Yeah, no, yeah, you're right, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And you want to know it's funny, too, and it's so interesting. I Pearl Jam... One of my favorite, I'd say my, one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs is Hail, which uh-huh. come to find out, I didn't know this, 
another song about divorce. Yeah. And I don't understand really why I, I don't. It's weird. I don't. I like the song. The craftsmanship of Brilliant yeah. Disguise. I like the craftsmanship of Hale. I like the songwriting of it. Not the lyrics didn't hit me. I had to be told that it was about divorce, but I'm like, what a coincidence that like the two tunes that I like from, and I put Eddie Vedder and Bruce in a category similar that sure you need to see it live to get it kind of thing, which I got to do, which I'd love to chat with you about if we have time. Yeah, um, my, my I'm first, good if you are. Yeah, I got a couple minutes for sure. Okay, yeah, let's good. go. All right, but but yeah, no, I I think you're right about all that stuff, and I think that the jokes and the writing and the who were you when you wrote the joke? Who were you when you wrote the song? Yeah. Who were you when you heard it? You know, I had a couple of premises for jokes that I almost felt like early on. I'm just like, yeah, I don't think I'm the comic yet to do that. Yes. Can I snowboard? Sure. But am I going to try to do a to dive out of a helicopter? No. You know what I mean? So it's. Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah, maybe leave that one on the shelf and be a better comic before you tackle such a heady topic or whatever. And I think that only comes with age or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it, you can almost say, I think this is an interesting premise, but I'm not quite there yet. You'll hear writers talk about, I, I have this book in me, but I'm not yet yeah. the yeah. writer to do the, to give this story justice. Right. A hundred percent. I get that. Yeah. I completely yeah. get that. Yeah. And I think I have a book in me that I, I haven't mm -hmm. don't know how to write yet, but all right. Yes. You talked about one. I can't believe it's taken us almost an hour. That's cool. When, I like when this. We, yeah. What we actually mentioned, you said you had recently seen Bruce perform. So let's talk about the shows. Hell yeah, dude. I loved it. I went to giant stadium. I will call it giant stadium, not MetLife. It's always going to be giant stadium. Yeah, I went to the Friday night show. Okay. I could bring up the set list if you don't have it handy. Okay. My first time seeing the boss, I wanted to go to the Broadway shows that he did, but I just didn't. Doing stand-up, it's sure. hard to, I'm working when fun things are happening. Had you Have you seen it in, on Netflix? No. You should. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, maybe I did. Okay. I can't remember. I feel like I would have remembered okay. it. But... Okay. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> so I guess it was the f September 1st show? Because okay. I think he did a Wednesday, a Friday, and a Sunday or something. Yes. Yeah. And we now know he had septic ulcers while he was performing because he's ended up canceling the rest of the year. I know. I'm glad I went when I did. Yeah, absolutely. And so you'd never seen him before? No. Okay. But, I've, but I have, but again, Live 75 to 85, I wore the tapes out when he's telling the story about the son going back and talking to his dad and all that, like that tearjerker stuff gets me every time. Sure. Here in Jersey Girl live on, I'm a big, again, from the Grateful Dead and Fish thing, like I'm a big yeah. live music guy. So I love the, Yeah. I've always wanted to see him. It wasn't like I'm not interested. Yeah, but it was like, I'll go see him eventually. <clears throat> and then that's one of my regrets is I shared this. We had tickets to see Jimmy Buffett back in 1988. Yeah. And my wife was pregnant and she didn't feel like going. And so we didn't. OK. And so we always there'll always be another summer. 
There'll yeah. always be another gig. Eh, yep. It just didn't work out. That's not a very convenient night to go see him. Oh, yeah, and yeah. now and then when I heard him, he died. I went, damn. I know there's yeah. there's been a few of those, and yeah. I got to see him once, which was fun. But yeah. no, I hear you, and yeah. that's to be honest, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go see the boss. And I know that yeah. he's not right. What's seventy? Seventy four. Fucking hey, man! I gotta I tell you, <laughs> he exhausted me. Okay, um, so, right, so I will so tell I just you. want to ask, how long is your set normally? How long is my stand-up set? Yeah, I don't know. It depends. Anywhere from in this in in you know in the, in New York, you do fifteen twenty minutes. Okay, and then upwards to an hour. Okay, and you're tired at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny because like I go to the the music I go see, say yeah. Fish. They play two 90-minute sets, and that's a long show. I like the band Wilco a ton. Yeah. They play one set, but it's a pretty long set. And so I do my research, and I got buddies that are huge into Bruce, and they're like, yeah, he puts on a show. He does two and a half, three hours. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah. I was so impressed with his energy playing to a friggin' football stadium can't be easy, but he treated it like he was doing Stone Pony again. And, and he's just walking around the stage. Is New Jersey in the house tonight? <laughs> and you hear a little bit. of, And he goes, I said, is New Jersey in the house tonight? And then, yeah. You could do better than that, Garden State. And then everybody goes nuts. And then I guess he mixed the set list up a little bit. The guy I was sitting next to was pretty excited about the set because he was mixing it up. I was happy with, okay. And also I'm sitting across the stadium in 100 level. So I'm like, I'm in the corner of the end zone looking at the stage and I had a nice view. We had a nice view. The woman next to my wife was annihilated and singing into her Miller light metal can bottle. I think the guy in front of us shit his pants. And then the guy next to me was super cool, but he was like a, statistician bruce fan okay which i love because he's like paying attention and then the people behind us had the family reunion so they were just talking about their kids and it annoyed the shit out of me because it's i didn't pay money to hear you talk about your kids like fucking watch the show yes absolutely yeah i hate talkers at shows loved look no surrender it takes a couple songs to ease in right prove it all night darkness on the edge of town Letter to You, The Promised Land, Spirit in the Night. That chunk right there, I'm like, Jesus, this is great. I love Spirit in the Night. That, to me, is that kind of Dylan-y. Sure. Prove It All Night and Darkness on the Edge of Town. Prove It All Night is a song I feel like, that's like We Wish You a Merry Christmas. I just feel like I heard that seven million times growing up, so it was great to see it live. Mm -hmm. The cover of Night Shift was sick. Yeah. Love that song. Um, also, I'm very, it's pretty badass that like Clarence's nephew plays sax. That's got to be cool for Bruce. Like I almost got choked up a bit thinking about that for Bruce because it's like the big man joins the band. Right. And then, yeah, he's, that's a huge void and his nephew, it does it like how cool. So I'll tell you a fun story. And he talks about this in the autobiography. Jake showed up to do the inner to audition and he wasn't on point no he wasn't doing well and bruce chewed him out now jake says he's slightly exaggerating it 
But in the book, Bruce chewed him out. Yeah. You are here wanting to take the place of Clarence F. and Clemens, and you're not 100% ready. You aren't bringing it all. Get the uh, hell out of here and come back when you're ready. Wow. Good for and, Bruce. Yeah. and But I do think in a lot of ways they were touched by a little bit of divine intervention. Yeah. Because on the Wrecking Ball tour, they had four horns. The mm. tour after Clarence died, but we can't even think about it. Yeah. But being this, and one, Jake is an incredibly charismatic young man. He is a, he, he has solo albums out himself. They're really well done. And, and so I think you, every once in a while you draw aces, right? And so he's right. been able to, yeah. But there is that we wanted to love him. Because yeah. it's Jake's nephew. Yeah, Jake is his nephew. Yeah. You can hear it in his playing. Yeah. And you could see it in his connection with Bruce. Yeah. And yeah, I loved it. I really loved it. I also really loved the goofing off on stage with little Steve. Yeah. And Bruce and them breaking each other's balls a little bit. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, it was really fantastic. And Mary's Place, everybody went nuts, of course approaching 9-11 and, and all yeah. of that new york <clears throat> last man standing back streets because the night was great she's the one wrecking ball the rising badlands thunder road obviously fantastic to hear all those now the thing i thought was super cool which i didn't know he did this but all the house lights come on during the encore I didn't know that's something that Bruce did all the time. Yeah. But it's cool. It gives it like a last call, sing along, like the lights yeah. are on you now. Yeah. Bring your A game. But now, Born to Run, Rosalita, Seven Nights to Rock, Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark, 10th Avenue, Freeze Out. The only thing I would have liked to have had heard that I didn't hear, would have liked Jersey Girl, would have liked maybe obviously Atlantic City. I would have loved yeah. to have heard Atlantic City which he ended up playing on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and and did Jersey Girl on Sunday. I know. <laughs> but you wouldn't have heard last bit. You wouldn't have heard I'll see you in my dreams, though. Yep. No, you're right. There's yeah. a lot. Again, and I'm not going to. No complaints. Yeah. Fantastic show. Fantastic crowd. And it's funny that I've made it a point after the pandemic. You get into a band like Fish or The Dead or whatever, and you have blinders on. And you don't want to miss, there's only so much money that can go towards concerts. Exactly. And I made a rule after the pandemic where I'm like, go see anything you can, because you never know when this shit's going to end and you don't know when you can. So I've been trying to see anything and everything that interests me. And I don't want to have any regrets as it relates to concerts and stuff like yeah. that. And plus I'm on the road all the time, so I can't see stuff. Right. So go see things. If you have a night off, go. So like... I saw Metallica and Pantera at Giant Stadium like a couple weeks before Bruce. First time mm -hmm. ever seeing a show at Giant Stadium. And then I go back to see Bruce. And it was cool to have that parallel of kind of like Metallica fans, Bruce fans in the same venue a couple weeks after one another. And just to see the dedication and the love and the diehard connection that the fans have with these guys that are standing the test of time when it makes me feel good about 
my relationship with music. And it makes me think about comedy. And it makes me think about there's a reason why the cream rises to the top. And it's these folks that take it seriously and go, you're coming to see me. You deserve the best. So at 74 years old, this dude takes his Telecaster off and then turns around and rips his shirt open. And I'm like, I look at my wife and I'm like, this fucking guy, 74, and he's ripping his shirt open. And she just started cracking up. And But it was great. I wish I went earlier. I really do. But I had a great time. We had a blast. We got exactly what we wanted out of it. We just needed a night to just. That's great have a good time and he he did it man he really did it that's awesome gosh I've, I've kept you way too long this has been so much fun all right a couple of last things we didn't even get into your podcast so i want you to have i want you to come back again let's do this again but tell us how we can see the special okay cool first my podcast is called comes a time i co-host it with O'Teal burbridge O'Teal plays bass in O'Teal and friends dead and company Allman Brothers for 17 years. We have a lot of fun guests on and you can follow that at comes a time pod. And then my special is called don't let me down. It's when are we, when will this be coming out? You you tell me when you want it to come out and I will make it happen. Oh, thank you. Jeez. What day, what, what day of the week do you drop? Usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I, like cool. So, yeah. So do you just, you tell That's me. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's very yeah. kind of you. So, so I'll clean this up. So you just yeah. say, what, Got it. when are you going to, when do you think it'll drop? So my special comes a time drops on YouTube, November 9th, okay. Thursday, November 9th. And up until then it's been available on 800pgm.com. That's 800 pound gorilla media. It's my label. They're doing like a pay what you want model. I self-produced the special and took care of everything. And it's nice of them to have a, give a couple months to the artists now to be like, support the arts. But nowadays our thing is put up the specials on YouTube and get the clicks. If anyone's interested, they could follow. All of my stuff is at M-I-K-E-F, like Frank, I-N-O-I-A, Mike Fenoya. So it's MikeFenoya.com at Mike Fenoya on socials, at Mike Fenoya on YouTube. And that's where the special will be. And if I'm traveling and touring all over the place, so if I'm in your town or whatever, come see a show and thank you. Yeah, I'm looking. We're, I'll probably, I'll clean this up, but I'll probably drop this then let's say November 7th. If oh, the, great. Do you want it beforehand? No, no, What's that's better? totally cool. That's okay. great. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So That'll be two our, days before. Yeah. yeah. So that means that on coming up, I'm looking at your, you're in Tulsa, November yeah. 11th, yeah. Uh, the, the Springfield, Missouri, November 10th. And I've got to figure out, um, you're not coming to Dallas, but you are coming to Houston. So I I may have to convince my wife that I need to do a road trip to Houston because I'm in (laughs) Dallas. How far is that drive? It's only about three and a half hours. Oh, geez. Okay. Let me know. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So in fact, and I will cut all this out. Matt Donnelly, the guy I was talking about who co-hosts with Penn Gillette. Yeah. uh, He now is doing magic. And so they're doing a Fuller's tour and they've got four magicians that were all on Penn and Teller's Fool Us doing their own tour. 
Wow. And, yeah. And, and Penn and Teller have a video where they introduce them and they've given a couple of Penn and Teller's classic routines to let them do. Mm. And so they were in Memphis and Saturday I drove to Memphis, which is about a seven hour drive, watched mm. the show, said hi to Matt because he's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's a big Springsteen fan yeah. and I'm on his Patreon. And then I drove home Sunday and Linda's, you must really like this guy. And I'm like, I do. But also when you have a chance to promote, to support someone who's been on the podcast, you yeah. like want to. So yeah, I'll have to figure out if I can get down to Houston. That'll be fun. Just let me know and we'd be happy to, I'll I'll make sure that we have some tickets waiting for you at the box office. That sounds nice. uh, That wasn't why I was asking. No, God, no. But listen, if you're going to drive, I I, I appreciate it. And and thank you very much. Yeah. No, I had a blast with you and and I'd love to come back. Let's hang again sometime and chat music. And uh, We do. All right. Before I let you go, once again, where people can find you. uh, At M-I-K-E-F-I-N-O-I-A. On all the socials, MikeFanoia.com, Comes a Time podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. And that's it. Yeah. Find me on the road. Yeah. Good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, hopefully I can see you in December and then maybe in January we can talk about how the special's going and let's do a whole episode about your podcast. Yeah. Talk about how that started, what that did. But before I let you go, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Now, if you're a fan of Mike's and going, what the hell is the Mary question? I'll tell you. Jay Armstrong was a honors English teacher who's now retired. But when he was teaching, he would give his high school seniors in his honors English class the uh, lyrics to the song Thunder Road. And he Mm -hmm. would they would study him. They would treat it as if it was a poem. And then after the class, he would ask his students, does Mary get in the car? Mike, that is your question. Does Mm. Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Yeah. Yeah, I think she does. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain? No. Are you just going to stick? Okay, I like that. That's acceptable. (laughs) Because, Because I'd like, I guess it's just, why wouldn't she? There you go. He lays out a pretty good case. I like it. And it reminds me of my proposal to my wife was like, my proposal was like, now's your chance to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She gets in the car. I love it. That's great. All right, man. This was a blast. This was a blast. Listeners go to the website, M I K E F I N O I A.com. From there, follow him on Twitter, all the socials. Yeah, YouTube's X. a big one these days. YouTube, yeah, I'm yes. not on that. Follow- I'm not on the, I don't do much on the X and the whatever. If I'm, I'm mainly posting pictures of my dog on Instagram. So if you like that, she's adorable. She just did her first commercial. I'm very proud of her. Nice. And yeah, I don't have kids. Can you tell? <laughs> and But uh, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, all that crap. That's where I'm at. So come w- watch my clips, click on I- and like them and all that crap. I don't know if you've ever heard the Tracy Allman story. She was on David Letterman and she was like, he said, the last time you were here, you were talking about your dog. She goes, yeah, I've now had kids. And once you have your kids, you go, oh, they're just dogs. But before <laughs> you. <laughs> so true. And that's why I won't have kids. Yeah, there you go. I like dogs way better than I like people. 
So I, there is a lot to be said for that. Yes. Mike, this was a blast. Let's stay in touch. Yes, Guys, please. Check out the website. Check out the special. Go to YouTube and follow. Rate and review. That means the world to all of us. Yes. And for now, everyone, be safe, be kind. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.